encouragement and blessing uh, to me. And uh, I've, I've been aware of what's been going on here from the, from the time the church started over here in the house somewhere here in town. <laughs> I don't know, but um, <clears throat> I'm thankful to be able to preach. I don't think I've ever preached to you as a congregation. I believe I've preached here at a preacher's meeting, but probably most of you were not here for that. And uh, so <clears throat> this will be, be a first, I believe. Um, just to give you a little background, I appreciate the introduction. It was all accurate and correct as far as I can tell, but I want to go back a little bit before Bible college uh, and just make some comments because uh, uh, I grew up in Montgomery County, so I'm a native. So um, if uh, you're a native from Lebanon, then uh, uh, you'll recognize some things that, that I'm going to say. I graduated from Newmarket High School Maybe you've never heard of that before uh, consolidation, all right, when there was about nine little schools in Montgomery County, and uh, <clears throat> went off to uh, Purdue University and watched Rick Mount play basketball. How many of you have heard that name? All right. Got a lot of natives here, all right. So... Um, <clears throat> I didn't miss a game that, uh, that I had tickets for, but of course the, the campus is so large and the stadium or the field house wouldn't hold us all, so we didn't have tickets to every game. But uh, while I was at Purdue University, I was reading a book, and in the back of that book there was a testimony of the author, and as a result of reading that testimony, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And so I left Purdue and went off to Bible College in 1971. I graduated. So he's told you all the rest that happened in between there. Um, <clears throat> one thing that, that he didn't tell, and I'll, I'm going to say more about this in, in a portion of my message, but I, gradu I, excuse me, I retired, I mean, in the first Sunday in October of last year, so it's been a little over a year ago, uh, and uh, on Christmas Eve, December 24th, almost two months after I retired, my wife went on to heaven. Unexpectedly, we, we were expecting to enjoy retirement together for a long time, and uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, uh, I, four days from today will be the commemoration of that. And so um, it's a hard time of year, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, Christmas is now a hard time of year. <laughs> uh, maybe it won't always be that way, but, uh, but it is. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, I'll say a little bit more about that. Brother Keith Harris, Pastor Keith Harris, I'm still attending the church, teaching the adult Sunday school class. Brother Harris is doing a great job. And the Lord has just made a real smooth a transition there and I praise the Lord for it we prayed we started praying a few years back for someone for the Lord to send to someone to work with us and uh, take over as pastor I just uh, I mean I was healthy I could have gone longer but I've seen too many churches uh, really 
go down when they didn't make that transition in time and they didn't find someone who uh, would carry on and believe what we believe. And that's, that's what I prayed for. <laughs> that's what I prayed for. Anyway, praise the Lord. It's, it's gone. That part's gone real well. And we thank the Lord for it. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1, probably, no doubt, familiar portion of Scripture. As we... Uh, <clears throat> Are, are in the Christmas season, and I want to preach about the Lord Jesus Christ coming to this world. And if you'll stand with me and honor God's word by standing, and then we'll read the first 14 verses here. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we're, we're thankful tonight for your word. We're thankful, Father, for this uh, time of year when we celebrate the birth of your son coming into this world. And Father, I pray that you might just meet with us and bless your word tonight. Use me, speak through me. And uh, Father, if there might be someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, we pray that they might see their need and trust Him before we leave here tonight. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The question that's often asked or should be asked, maybe not asked often enough, but should be asked as we approach Christmas is, who is this child? Who is this baby? And uh, we can... Uh, You've probably heard this. We can look to the uh, Gospel of Matthew, and he presents uh, Jesus as the king. This baby was a king. You can go to the Gospel of Mark, and he presents Jesus as a servant. This baby was a servant. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, presents him as the Savior. This baby was the Savior. And, of course, tonight we will see that John presents him as God. This child is God. This baby is God. <clears throat> Just to illustrate what happens in our world today, talk about uh, this, this incident that occurred in history after many failed attempts 
In December of 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright finally got their flying machine off the ground. The, the airplane was born. In their excitement, they sent a telegraph to their sister, Catherine. It, it said simply, flew 120 feet, we'll be home for Christmas. Well, when Catherine got the news, she ran to the local paper and showed the telegraph to the editor. And he glanced at it and said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. He completely missed the point. <laughs> he missed the big news, the big picture. Yes, it was nice that the boys would be home for Christmas, but there was more going on there, wasn't there? An airplane had flown for the first time. That was the big news. That was the big news. But how often do people miss the big news at Christmas time? All too often we get caught up in the lights and the tinsel and the shopping and gifts and family and all those things are nice and they're fun, but that's not the big news. That's not the big news. The big news is that God became a man over 2,000 years ago so that you and I could have a relationship with Him. Today the world would tell you would tell you that Christianity is no different than any other world religion. And if your children or grandchildren take a world religion class in a secular college, more than likely the professor will tell them that there's no difference between the Christian God and the gods of all the other religions. They will say that all religions are basically the same. Well, they're almost right. All the world religions are essentially the same, that is, except one. Except one. Every, every religion in the world, whether you're talking about Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, Paganism, Islam, New Age, every religion in the world requires man to do something to have a relationship with God, or in many cases, as they put it, to become God. Man has to do something. He has to earn his way into some type of relationship with God. That's the thing that all religions have in common. They require man to do things, but that's what makes Christianity different. It's not man doing things, it's what God has already done. It's what God has already done. You see, the goal of Christianity isn't to become God, it's to have a relationship with Him. God is God and we're not. We're never going to become God. Never will. We can never be God. He's too holy. He's too perfect. He's too righteous and just and pure and powerful for us to even imagine, much less be like Him. We can't even imagine how holy He is, let alone become like Him. 
for God to have a relationship with, a, with us, His Son stepped down from His throne, left heaven, and, be, and came to this sinful world and became a man. Became a man. And that's what I want to, want to talk about uh, tonight and what I want to preach about tonight. So that uh, when we celebrate Christmas, we'll, we can all know that we have a relationship with Him. Amen. Do you know that you have a relationship with Him? Amen. With God? You can through the, through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to I talk about three relationships that God wants with us. He wants to have that with us. That's the amazing thing. God wants to have that relationship with us. God desires, first of all, a human relationship with us. He desires a human relationship with us. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And of course that word is capital W, and it's the same word that was up there in the beginning of this Gospel of John. That word that was in the beginning, verse 1 says, that word that was with God, verse 1 says, that word that was God, verse 1 says. That's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we could go on and say in verse 3, it was that same word that made everything, created this world and this universe. That's the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he came into this world as a baby, just like all of us came into this world. That's an amazing thing. The angel Gabriel told uh, Joseph in Matthew 1, 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. But she was going to be with child and she was going to bring forth a son, just, just like every child is born. The miracle was not in the, the birth, the miracle was in the conception, wasn't it? So he came into this world just like all of us, but why? Why? Why the birth? Why, go, why would God go through that? A birth. Of course, we don't remember what that was like, but... It wasn't fun for mom. It probably wasn't much fun for us. But why would he go through that? Why would he go through the jabbering? Why would he go through the drooling, the dirty diapers? diapers? Why would he subject himself to all of that? Why? In order to have a relationship with us. The story is told about an old farmer who asked that same question, kind of, he's, why? As a matter of fact, he thought the idea of God coming to earth as a man was ridiculous. He was not a believer. One, one uh, <clears throat> evening during a terrible snowstorm, he kept hearing loud thump on his living room window. The snow was so bad he couldn't even see what was 
making the noise. He looked out the window, couldn't see what was going on. Ever so often he would hear a thump and a little later when the snow let up a little bit, he uh, braved the storm and went out to see what was making the noise and it turned out to be a flock of wild geese that had been stranded in the storm and they kept flying around blindly and every once in a while they would fly into his window. As he saw them there, he realized that they would freeze to death if they stayed out in the storm. So, So he went on out and opened the barn door and thought he could give them some shelter till the storm was over. But he just couldn't get them to go in that barn door. They were scared to death of it. Couldn't lead them in, put some grain out on the floor. They, they wouldn't go in, couldn't shoo them in, drive them in. They were too fearful of him. Every time he got near them, they just scattered and went away. And while he was trying to get them in there, finally he thought, if I could just become a goose, I could save them. I could lead them in there. Yeah, and as funny as that sounds, that's when it hit him. That's why God became a man. That's why he had to become a man. Jesus had to come as a man. It wasn't so ridiculous after all. In Jesus' humanity, he came and he endured anything we could ever possibly have endured. He endured physical struggles, hunger, poverty, pain. He endured emotional struggles. He was betrayed by a friend. He was subject by his own family. He was mocked and made fun of. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched, with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And many times we read that verse and we put the emphasis on the temptation and yet without sin, but he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. All the struggles, the emotional struggles. And I would say this, even the loss of a loved one. As I struggled with the loss of my wife and the question of why always comes up. I mean, I'm not questioning God, but... What's his purpose? He has a purpose in what he does. My wife always said that. (laughs) He has a purpose in everything he does. My problem is I haven't figured out that purpose yet, so I'm still searching. Pray for me. Pray for me. But he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and one thing that the Lord did bring to my mind as I was struggling with this shortly after 
that took place, that Jesus experienced the death of a loved one. I believe that. It's not recorded in Scripture, but I believe that Jesus experienced the death of a loved one, someone I believe he would have loved very much and had a strong earthly bond with, just like we do with our dads. Sometime between the age of 12 and 30, when his public ministry began, his earthly father, Joseph, must have died. It's not recorded for us. But we know Joseph's not around during Jesus' ministry. Not mentioned. I believe Jesus experienced the loss of his earthly father. Think what a close bond would have formed between Joseph and Jesus, who in practical terms was, Jesus was his oldest son. In earthly terms. Now we know God was his true father, but we're talking about in earthly relationships here. Joseph would have taught Jesus the trade of carpentry. I believe probably maybe sometime in his 20s, Joseph passed from the scene. Can't prove that. I don't know that. But he certainly had time to teach Jesus carpentry. It's mentioned two times in the Gospel of Mark, those who knew him who were in the area where he grew up, they knew him as both a carpenter, Jesus I'm talking about, they knew him as a carpenter and as a carpenter's son. In Matthew, it's, that's recorded, a carpenter's son. So I believe they would have had a very strong earthly bond. And Jesus would have gone through that loss as a young man. So he does understand. He does understand what we go through. And uh, we can go to him in prayer. That's what that verse in Hebrews is all about. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It was, all, it was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So that's something that the Lord gave me. Maybe if you've lost a loved one, maybe that would be a help to you or what will, would be sometime. But he understands. He understands. That's been a real help to me. But God wants to have this earthly relationship with us. The word relationship comes from the root word relate, obviously. And Jesus had to come to earth as a man so he could relate to us. So he could relate to us. In our sin and weakness, there's, there's no way we could ever work our way into being good enough to relate to God. 
And God reached down into history and took on the feeling of our infirmities so he could relate to us. Became a man in order to have a human relationship with us. And he became a man in order to save us. The second idea behind this relationship that God desires, he desires a human relationship with us, but God desires a holy relationship with us. And that's where the problem comes in on our part, isn't it? God desires a holy relationship with us. You see, God is holy, isn't he? And let's look at a verse in Isaiah 57. And there's a lot of them we could look at. But this is a great verse in Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Where it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. God is holy. He wants to have a holy relationship with us. He's high and lifted up. And he's righteous. And he's all-powerful and he's all-knowing. And he's everywhere at once. It says he inhabiteth eternity. Try to wrap our mind around that. He inhabiteth eternity. Eternity. What is, what is that? He's infinite. He's perfect. That's who he is. And, and no words can really describe how far God is above man. Tries to describe it over in Isaiah 55, just a couple of chapters earlier. Verses 8 and 9, he says, for, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Then he says this, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How much higher are they? As high as heaven is above the earth. The heavens are above the earth, not just the, not just the atmosphere, but the heavens. Amen. As far as I've been able to read and figure out, and the uh, scientists haven't found the end of the heavens yet. They're still looking out there. <laughs> That's how high his thoughts and his ways are above our thoughts in our ways. Because he is holy and perfect, he cannot tolerate profane and imperfect things in his presence. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. 
with purer eyes than to behold evil. He can't do it. Can't look on iniquity. Where does that leave us? If he did look on iniquity, it would take away from his holiness. If he did look upon sin, it would, uh, he would be tainted and he would no longer be God. So how can an infinite, holy God have a relationship with weak, sinful, frail people like you and me? Well, it certainly isn't based on anything that, that we do. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Anything we do to earn a relationship with God is a stench in His nostrils. I believe that's what He meant in Isaiah 16. Before 6, when he said, but we are all, Isaiah said, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our best effort falls that short of His holiness. So our relationship isn't based on what we have done. It's based, as I said earlier, on what He has done. And Jesus became a man because God wanted a holy relationship with us. His holiness, God's holiness, God's righteousness is embodied in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus saves us, He clothes us in His righteousness. And He said there in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For He, God, hath made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.9, and this was Paul's desire, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The righteousness of Christ, to be clothed in His righteousness. So if you're saved here tonight, when God the Father looks at you, He sees His Son. He sees His Son. And the only way that could have happened is for Him to become a man. And go to the cross and die there for us. But when He looks at us who are saved, He doesn't see our imperfections anymore. He doesn't see our frailties anymore. He doesn't see our sin anymore. He's forgiven that as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. He's forgiven that. And he sees his son and the righteousness of his son, his holy son. That's what he sees 
when we've been saved, when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does it all work? God desires a human relationship with us, so he became a man. Think about that old farmer that we talked about in the beginning, that illustration. If he had only become a goose, (laughs) as he was thinking about that, if he had only become a goose, he'd have been just as dumb as the other geese. And he would have froze to death with that. And if Jesus was only a man, he wouldn't have been able to be our Savior. But because Jesus was the Holy Son of God, he was able to be our Savior. And Jesus then can cleanse us of our sins and clothe us in his holiness. The holiness that he's always had as the Son of God. But how does that all work? Well, that brings us to the third kind of relationship. God desires a whole relationship with us. W-H-O-L-E. God desires a whole relationship with us. A complete, total, whole relationship. Quoted this verse earlier, but Matthew 1, 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Now I want us to look at this last part. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. If God had only sent a man, the only thing he could have done was sympathize with us. He could feel our infirmities, but all he could do is sympathize with us. He couldn't have saved us. If God had only come to us as God, then he could have only come to judge and condemn us. And he couldn't have saved us. Therefore, some of you know maybe what I'm getting at, God had to come down to us as both, didn't he? Both man and God. He sent his son to be born of a virgin, fully man, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be conceived of God by the Holy Spirit, fully God. Luke 1.35 says, And the angel answered and said unto her, speaking of Mary, who had said, who had questioned the angel's announcement and said, How can this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Jesus Christ, 100%. God and 100% man. That's something we can't explain. That's something we can't totally figure out, but it's the truth. It's what the Word of God teaches us. It might sound confusing, but with God, nothing is impossible. 
Nothing is impossible. He can do anything. And guess what? I don't have to understand it. I just have to believe it. I just have to believe it. But I do know that's the only way he could save us. That's the only way he could have a relationship with us without marring his own holiness. And that we could have a relationship with him by being clothed in his righteousness. So what we celebrate at this season is a tremendous divine event. We celebrate the fact that over 2,000 years ago, an infinite creator God stepped into history. He stepped into time, time which he created, and time which he is not bound by. He stepped into that time and lived in that for 33, about 33 years. And he reached down through his infinite power and majesty and might and glory. And he cried that first helpless cry of a newborn baby. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was laid in the manger. He was fully God. He was fully man. In our text, it says in verses 10 through 13, as we think about closing here and turn to a time of invitation, it says there in verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Have you been born of God? Jesus is no longer a helpless, crying baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Nothing wrong with celebrating that. Nothing wrong with portraying that with uh, manger scenes, and they're beautiful. But and they portray something that really took place. But he grew up, and he lived and taught for thirty-three years, and three of that years was public ministry, and most of the people rejected him, like we just. Saul there, his own received him not. Rejected him to the point of hanging him on a cruel Roman cross. But, but what they didn't know was that was God's plan all along. He was born to die so that we wouldn't have to. He was born to die so that you could have a relationship with your Creator. And I could have a relationship with my Creator. But not only was He born to die, He was born to live again. Amen. He arose from the grave. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, making that relationship possible between us and God the Father. Do you have a relationship with Him tonight?
the relationship that uh, Jesus has provided for us is free when we put our faith and trust in what he's done. Let's stand together. If you have that relationship with him, are you living for him tonight? Are you living for him tonight? We're going to have a word of prayer, then we'll begin a time of invitation. Father, we are thankful for this season of time when we celebrate the birth of your son. And Father, we're thankful that you, you desired that relationship. It was all designed and planned by you. And you love us that much, and I don't understand why you love me that much. But you've told us that you do. And we thank you. And Father, I pray that there's someone here tonight, and they've never truly trusted Christ as their Savior, and they don't have that relationship. Or maybe they are doubting and wonder if they really have that. Lord, help them to get that settled tonight. And Lord, to those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, Help us to live for our Savior. Help us to be a witness and live for Him and tell others about Him. Lord, bless and have your way in our hearts and lives tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.